This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Redefining Success, a show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick and what the word success means to them. On the show with me today is Dr. Eugene T. He's an Associate Professor in Psychology at Help University. Welcome to the show, Dr. Eugene. Hey, Dashran. Thank you for having me. Let's start with the big picture question I always like to begin this show with and that is, how do you define success, Dr. Eugene? When you Think of the word success. What does that mean to you? Hmm, almost philosophical, this question <laughs> for a Monday morning. Um, Dashran, to, to me, success is quite simply, right? And hopefully I'm not oversimplifying this mm-hmm. by saying that it's it's living a life that harmonizes both your inner and your outer self. So with regard to the, the inner self, a successful life is one where you make full use of your skills, your strengths, your talents, your interests. And crucially, I would say that these are aligned with your most cherished values as well. So that's your inner life, right? So the satisfaction and contentment that you're making full, optimal, best use of who you are. Uh, but there's also a need to also ensure that this this inner self is in harmony with the outer self. But I see most people, you know, they don't have a difficulty in in defining this. After all, we seek out uh, these external indicators, right? Right. So you think about fame, you think about status, you think about wealth, certainly. But I think a more sustainable and satisfying experience of success comes from, um, say, firstly, financial security, not necessarily mm-hmm. wealth. We talked about this in our money happiness chat right. last time. So respect instead of fame, uh, living a life of of service to others instead of one that is you know, necessarily high status. These are not mutually exclusive. You can have, you know, a, a high status career and high status life in which you are in the service of others. Um, I'd also like to say maybe just a word about friendships, mm-hmm. right? In relationships, the scientific research shows this. Uh, we, we tend to be more selective as well. I think a successful life is one in which you value having quality over quantity uh, where our friendships are concerned. So, so all in all, you find that your inner life is congruent with, is in harmony with, is aligned with uh, your life uh, with others, in harmony with your outer right. life. So I'd say that that's what counts as a successful life. Has your definition of success changed over time? Certainly has. I think uh, most people would be familiar with terms such as the quarter life or midlife crisis. Right. Um, I don't think there's a lot of scientific uh, evidence <laughs> backing that. But for me, certainly the, uh, the definition of success has has changed over the past, say, 10, 15 years in my, my short career. Um, as, as many academics uh, would know, would attest to, when we start off, we, we try to publish as much of our work in the best peer-reviewed journals, win research grants, win teaching awards, and all this really propels us towards uh, a higher status in academia. So that's success okay. in academia. But these are, Dashran, um, you would remember, right, um, mainly external uh, indicators of success. Right. Uh, but for me, at least, that has recently given way to more deeper, more meaningful goals, I would say. So being in service to others through mentoring, coaching, uh, cultivating lifelong collaborations, sharing scientific research findings with the masses, right? Uh, all, mm-hmm. all these align with my values and ideals um, of how an academic career can benefit not just myself, uh, but, but others as well. 
why did you decide to pursue psychology? Rewinding, say, okay, let's just go back maybe about 10 years or so. Right. Uh, you know, I've, I've always had an interest in psychology. I just didn't know the name of the term for this discipline that I was interested in. I was interested in human beings, always mm-hmm. interested in people. Uh, but it might surprise you to know that while I've taught in psychology, in a psychology department for the past uh, 10, 11 years, right. uh, my background my background is essentially in business management and organizational behavior. Right, that's interesting. So, yeah, so, so closely related enough, right? Substantial amount of what we know in management studies mm-hmm. uh, grounded in uh, the psych literature. Uh, so I, I have an inherent fascination and interest uh, in, in human behavior and even before embarking on my current academic career, the current trajectory I'm taking, you know, I, I could recall, you know, sifting through the bookstore, sifting through books in the bookstore, uh, that I was most drawn to books on human personality, right? So even pseudoscientific approaches, I'm not sure if I should be saying this, but my initial, my initial fascination came from books on numerology and graphology. So the right. study of significance of numbers and whether your handwriting actually means anything. I would say here, a public service announcement, they don't, they're pseudoscientific. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think, so I think the endeavors I've taken to understand human behavior, uh, you know, I've come to realize human beings as both fascinating as much as they are frustrating. So, mm. so I disagree. I disagree with the notion that psychology is a soft science. It's not, there's nothing harder than understanding human behavior, right. I think. So um, I was given the chance to, to scratch that, uh, intellectual itch, if you will, in 2006, uh, when I did my first research study on emotions and personality differences, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. I then started teaching in 2008 as a graduate tutor at the University of Queensland, Brisbane, Australia, right? And I found it to be an enjoyable experience as well. So for me, there's no better way to to learn than to teach. All good teachers are also good students. I found myself engrossed in reading, changing, challenging my views. Um, on, on human behavior, psychology in general. But importantly, importantly, I think above all, Dasha, and I found, I found the experience really rewarding. There's something about, about teaching, about connecting mm. with students, right? As your fellow learners, that when you do it right, it, it, it generates a positive impact um, and on, on others almost every day, right? And, and it's a really fortunate position um, and privilege that I hold to be able to do this. So, Teaching to me, if I could use some sort of a metaphor, it, it, it generates a positive ripple effect that res- resonates well and truly beyond the classroom. So it might be a small drop in the pond, but I imagine that its ripples can positively impact far wider and broader than, than the initial contact point you have with students right. in the lecture hall. And is that why you decided to pursue um, teaching, be in academia as compared to, let's say, um, practicing, so to speak, whether it's business management, um, getting into mm-hmm. business yourself, or, you know, yeah. psychology, practicing, um, becoming a, you know, a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist and things like that. Yeah, certainly. I, I think there are a lot of um, listeners out there. I mean, it's certainly a large group of students from uh, my community who uh, take on psychology studies because they're interested in pursuing uh, clinical or counseling psychology. I think those still remain to be sort of premier, uh, most often sought after choices. And like in my case, right, certainly study of business, I might have worked in a corporate job. I was thinking about taking up a management trainee position before, you know, resuming or extending on my studies. Uh, but just to quickly answer your question, I think it's something that 
I came to a realization over time, right? Mm. Might be horror stories about, you know, slogging away in the office, not really seeing a purpose or meaning or significance in what you do. You're, um, I, I, I don't mean this, to, you know, to reflect everyone's experiences, but I've heard a lot about that. And it got me thinking about ways in which you could be a more direct, positive impact right, to the people around you. I sort of tried out teaching and not knowing whether I'll like it, but really most fortunately, Dashran, I found that I really, really enjoyed the teaching experience and I found it to be so much in harmony with my own personal interests in the subject matter, but also, right, in harmony with the kind of career, the kind of job that I, I want to do. And certainly mm-hmm. I still speak to businesses. I don't run my own business. I thought about it, right, but certainly I could speak to businesses, to the conduct of training, right. to some consultancy work that I've done. So uh, yeah, it's all it's all come to like come together quite nicely. Even though I've not embarked on you know a, a, a typical uh, career path that uh, that would often be determined for me from my qualifications in in business management. Right. Would you say your career right now um, is your biggest passion? Because um, when I talk mm. to you, I, I get the the sense that you are definitely passionate about it. Um, is it? your biggest passion or are you passionate about um, different things that you've also considered, hmm, maybe I could, mm. you know, do this instead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, certainly. I think it comes a junction at any one person's point, on, point in time, isn't it? Should I be doing this? Do I want to be continuing to do this? Um, but I'm going to quote my former supervisor and a shout out to Professor Neil Ashkenazi who might be listening to this all the way in Australia. <laughs> and I'm just going to quote him on this by saying that, you know, my vocation is my vacation. Right. Right. So certainly my job is something that I look forward to doing. Like today I got up and said, I'm going to speak to Dashwin about success, right? I want to share uh, with anyone who's interested ideas about what success is, maybe a different way about thinking about success. Um, I would certainly say that my work is not just a job, right? And just something I do because I have to, something right. to, to pass the time before the weekend rolls around, something allows me to save up for the holidays so I can pull away from the office for a longer period of time. <laughs> uh, it's certainly a career. It's only a career. So I'm right. making the distinction here between job, career, and something greater. I'll get to that something greater uh, in a bit, right? So certainly a career, definitely mm-hmm. more so in the early stages of my professional life, where I work towards you know, that, that steady progression towards right. uh, better pay, greater recognition. So pretty much established myself in the field, right? But I think, I think at this point, um, 10, 11 years in, I'm starting to see my career as possibly something greater. Hmm. Maybe not there yet, but more of a calling almost. Right. right? Teaching psychology, researching human emotion, collaborating with colleagues. It's really work that I find myself continuously, repeatedly, day in, day out, drawn to because it gives me a great sense, deep sense of fulfillment and, and meaning. So to answer your question, long story short, the work I do uh, is the work I consistently feel passionate about. I mean, I have side interests, right? But, you know, to be able to get up every morning and say, you know, I, I want to do this work. I, I enjoy doing this work. Right. Uh, it's really a good sign that and, and I can certainly see myself doing this for pretty much the rest of my life. On the show with me today is Dr. Eugene T, Associate Professor in Psychology at Help University. After the break, I ask him how he measures personal growth. We'll be back with more on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9.
Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Darshan Johan and on the show with me today is Dr. Eugene T, Associate Professor in Psychology at Help University. So, Dr. Eugene, I want to, you know, rewind time further and just to see, (laughs) just to see how much, you know, you have changed, how much your perspectives have changed. Um, How were you during your schooling days? Um, Did you get good grades? Um, What were your interests and ambitions back then? Have they changed over time? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, my my eyesight is far worse today than it has been. Um, I think I still look pretty much the same. Okay, um, what was I like back during my schooling mm-hmm. days? Okay, I wasn't the most studious of students. Right. Um, I can tell you that. You can check my records. It's not really impressive, right? I was never top of my class. Uh, never won any academic awards. Wasn't particularly active in extracurricular activities. Uh, I maybe had one or two minor roles in clubs and societies. So, so yeah, if I were to look back and say, you know, in my schooling years, I was ordinary and unexceptional. All right? and, I, and I wasn't one of those students you'd remember. I was more of a, a, a social wallflower almost. Right. Right? I mean, friends would know me, but I doubt they remember anything particularly interesting about me. Mm. Uh, did I get good grades? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Again, <laughs> my SPM records. Right? I'm not a straight A student scoring just A's uh, in my SPM. Certainly not. Um, I think the three A's I got were in uh, English, math, and additional math, which was a surprise to me. Additional math, especially. Right. Uh, but I did hold an an interest in the sciences, right? right. Uh, especially biology. I didn't do terribly well for that. Uh, but it wasn't long before that steered me towards the scientific understanding of human behavior. So that's where my interest in psychology came about. Uh, and as, as well as studies of uh, human mm-hmm. culture, other side interests, right? I try to play the guitar every once in a while, I still enjoy video games. Um, I, I'm watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. So like anyone, right? right? Prone to the occasional Netflix binge. Um, I, I decided, and just to come back to this question, um, I decided to take up studies that would allow me to, in some shape or form, opportunity, um, allow me to know more about human thought, emotions, and behavior, hence psychology. Right. Uh, and since we're talking about, you know, pop culture and, and yeah. the recent spate of movies, right, in an alternate reality, in a multiverse, right? Right. Uh, have been a little bit more daring and if the opportunities presented themselves in this country, I might have, I might have said, right, uh, pursued a career in anthropology, Right. Archaeology or um, once, you know, how about some dreams of being a private investigator as well? <laughs> Definitely. I think those are like very exciting uh, careers, right? I'm in, mm. in this multiverse though, um, I'm Dr. Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> how does someone who isn't studious become someone who is so passionate about academia? <laughs> you know, when they when they say keep your eyes out, right, and keep your ears peeled as well for anything that strikes your fancies, your interests, I think that's the way to go. I think certainly your interests uh, back in school, right, and certainly the, the subjects that are taught to you in school, not necessarily ones that you make your career out of. I mean, uh, no one comes off from school singing, thinking automatically that I want to work in psychology, I want to teach psychology, I want to be a financial consultant, I want to be a business consultant. Right. So I think, you know, keep Keep an open mind, right? Read broadly, right? And I think there's much to be said as well about this role of, you know, um, being the smartest in the room. I, I, I think it's helpful for me to to want to gravitate towards situations, environments where I'm not the smartest person in the room. I, I, I know the least. I want to be called out on my errors and mistakes. I want a fresh perspective. So I think in terms of like socializing, I've tried my best to 
um, more recently as well, just to expose myself, put myself in situations where I don't know everything. This is why I love speaking with you, right? Dashwan, right? Because you bring a different perspective. You share perspectives with me. Right. I, I look for opportunities to be to be kept hungry mm-hmm. uh, and to be, you know, reminded that I'm still I'm still ignorant and I still have a lot to learn. Uh, so keeping your interests just as broad, reading broadly, you know, exposing yourself to a wide range of different experiences, um, you know, safe, safe experiences, I should say, safe learning experiences, right? Uh, I, I think that intellectual discomfort that you feel, that's a good sign that you are, you're learning something, you're acquiring something, you're growing as a person. So I would suggest just off the top of my head, those things. You've been doing this for more than a decade now. Have there mm-hmm. been periods um, throughout the past 10 years or so where you thought to yourself, okay, um, this career path isn't for me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I might want to do something else um, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I'm not getting the, the kind of fulfillment that I'm hoping to get from this career path. Um, have mm-hmm. those thoughts ever crossed your mind? Yes, they have. I mean, um, there have been you know, a couple of transition periods in my career. So when you see friends and colleagues leaving, for instance, and you think, oh, maybe there's, you know, grass is greener on the other side, or you think that maybe I'm not making full use of my my interests or my skills. Uh, it, it, it is a nagging thought, Nashua. And every once in a while, you think, oh, what happened if, or what would have happened if I took up that job opportunity, say, across the border, for instance, mm-hmm. what if I stayed in Australia just a while more, right? Certainly there are moments like that, but I, I think... You know, just to remind yourself why you do the things you do. And I think that's always, it's always helpful to have that North Star, isn't it? To know that your role, right? That, right. that guiding, right? Is always there to say that, look, your your profession allows you to reach out to, to communicate, to share, to t- certainly teach above all, right? But to also inspire future generations that there's a better way of living your life. There's, you know, a scientific evidence-based approach to living a more fulfilling life, right? So when we talk about success, when you think about job satisfaction, when you think about you know, meaningful relationships with others, I think certainly if, if one or two things that I've said gets true to anyone who's listening, be it in the classroom or um, in this in this in this chat that we're having, then that reminds me that what I'm doing is still purposeful, it's still meaningful, it's still significant, and I can take pride and and contentment in that. Right now. What are some of the biggest challenges you face, Dr. Eugene, be it when it comes mm. to your career or otherwise, but mm. of course tying into this idea of attaining your definition of success? So academia and mm-hmm. working in a university, right, is, um, some of our listeners might know that it's known for its competitive and, and unforgiving nature. It's really, really tough uh, to to make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly wouldn't claim myself as, you know, being all that already, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, in terms of its competitive and unforgiving nature, strange, you know, you think like education environment, safe learning, right. strange, but, but hear me out. So I've heard someone say at a, at a conference before that, uh, and it's a conference for research funding that the main currency in academia it's not money, right? It's ego and status. Not money, right. right? The most established, the most recognized academic is the one with uh, the most publications, most highly cited in their field. The one who has won the most grant money, right? Pulled in the most money. Or, or sometimes for teaching-focused institutions, most popular among students. So right. I, I think in some way, just to answer your question about challenges and the sort of discontent that I might have felt, um, I, I think academics might be fixated on a lot of these external indicators mm-hmm. um, of success, right? To a point where I think they lose the societal importance 
of high quality teaching and research. It's not easy to hold such ideals in academia. Right. I won't go into the details, but suffice to say, staff accomplishments are valued as a function of how much they contribute to the university's rankings. And much of this comes from research-related achievements, more than say how happy your students are from your classes. I've also personally found the, the political nature of academia to be discouraging at times. You get mm. supervisors who don't like the co-markers and then they, you know, have a, have a personal dispute and disagreement that affects the students' learning. So, so that, in addition to the usual challenges of being in, in this line of work, rejected manuscripts, rejected grant applications, failed experiments, student complaints. So just as a general sort of like uh, overview, and these are some of the biggest challenges I've faced. And how do you manage um, these challenges? Because, you know, I think you bring up a very interesting um, point about how you know the ego that are the, the egos that are present in academia yeah. um, this desire to to sort of build up your status not in terms of money but in terms of you know publishing papers um, yeah. how do you tell yourself or remind yourself or how do you manage these challenges um, and and keep yourself grounded and say that yes you know these things are cool and, and important and all these achievements are great but at the end of the day the main purpose of me doing what I do is to educate other people so at the end of the day it is about the students um, about what they gain about the knowledge they gain and where they go from here the inspirations um, that fundamentally is what a, a role of an educator or a teacher or a lecturer someone mm. in academia mm. is supposed to be how do you manage these challenges the various egos the politics mm. and whatnot well, not easy. And um, I'm trying to think of, you know, and, and rarely there will ever be a, a one-size-fits-all solution. Right. I think it depends largely on the context. But I think part of the answer, you've already answered, Dashman, right? So, you know, to balance that, to know mm. that publishing is important, but also, I think, give some attention to teaching because that could open up pathways and opportunities. Um, I, I would say, Dashman, right, if I'm, I'm not being, um, you know, not assuming too much here, right. I, I think it's true students, right, who some of them, you know, worked at BFM at one point in time, say, hey, you know what, I have this lecturer, right, taken his class before, he might be able to speak, All right. you know, about emotions, a thing or two about this topic, mm -hmm. and then they invite me. And so I think there, are, just going back to this idea of harmony, right, you kind of see the harmony in, in what you do in one context and seeing how those transferable skills also help you, you know, impact change, be a positive influence in others. So, the skills that I've developed through years of deliberately practicing, delivering a good lecture, that has certainly served me very well in terms of the conversations I'm having with you, certainly with the training that I'm doing. And then on the research end, I found it, you know, immensely fulfilling to collaborate with people on research topics, right, uh, that, that are of importance to society. So recently, a colleague and I published a, a study on how hopeful individuals navigate through tough times, right? Uh, and, and these are individuals who have experienced financial difficulties during the COVID crisis. What's the role of hope in ensuring that they 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 have this buffering effect against right. right the onslaught of the pandemic? So we got that study published, and and we thought that hey, you know what? Hopefully, someone picks it up, thinks it's useful, and then maybe designs an intervention for it. I think seeing the bigger picture, seeing the impact, it's so easy to get lost isn't it, in the administrative demands mm. in the, the the paperwork right and you know universities are pretty <laughs> much you know bureaucracies right uh, but but seeing the big picture beyond the paperwork beyond the, the 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 micro level details if you will i think that has just helped me keep myself grounded 
humble, certainly, right? For, for as much as I can say that, uh, you know, I try to be humble, right? Uh, in terms of the work that I'm doing and the service that I'm giving to others. Yeah. And on that note, right, what has been your proudest moment so far? Mm. Well, I've been, you know, able to experience many proud moments in my short career. Um, but I want to say that the pride I've recently come to reflect on comes not from my achievements, but in achievements of others. Um, I am proud of my former students, many of whom now hold impressive jobs in various sectors of, of different industries. They are successful professionals in their own right. Um, just a proud moment for me when we all meet up and they still say, hey, you know, the thing you told us about recognizing and, and, and you know, managing our emotions at work. Yeah, I still practice that today, right? Um, I am particularly proud, Dash, and I should share of my former undergraduate students, many of mm. whom are now completing their postgraduate degrees in prestigious universities overseas. So one of them, for instance, is currently completing her master's right now in the Netherlands. Wow. And I really, really couldn't be more proud of her, mm -hmm. seeing her journey from the first few days when she thought up her research idea and now celebrating the submission of a master's thesis. So shout out to you, uh, and done if you are listening to this all the way in the Netherlands, you've right. been fantastic from day one. Um, but I, I think the longer I've been in this line of work, it's just more fulfilling, paradoxically almost, to see that it's other success that gives me that fulfillment, that meaning, that purpose, and of course, my own personal sense of satisfaction and success. Right. And, you know, we, we talk about success. How do you measure growth? And this can be, mm. you know, however you want to define it. Um, someone I've interviewed talked about, you know, year on year. Someone says, like, you know, they always evaluate just ra at random. How do mm. you, like, how often do you evaluate this? And how do you measure your growth? Quite, quite often, Josh, I right. think uh, because of the uh, state situation I'm in right now in mm -hmm. my career, right, it's given me time to actually pause, maybe to reflect on what it is that I really want. Is the next 10 years going to be different mm -hmm. from what you've been doing for the previous decade? So here, I think it's, um, if I could go back, I think it's useful to just go back to talking about our inner and our outer selves again, right? So yes, with progressions in one's career, we're given increments to a salary, we earn more money, attain higher status, more prestigious titles usually comes with more work, but separate issue, more important <laughs> roles, and usually, right, greater opportunities to influence others, hopefully right. for the positive, right? But again, I think these are external almost indicators of success that need to be balanced with satisfaction internally, right? You get people who say that, you know, I've been working for the past 10, 15 years, and I don't like my job anymore. I've done all there is to do. I, I've made it to the pinnacle. So, so, so for me, growth, right, um, is is almost this really intimate realization and recognition right. that I am a better version of myself with each passing day, each passing week, month, certainly year. So maybe think about asking yourself, I certainly ask myself these questions and it's been helpful. Um, first question, have I, have I learned something new today that will help me do better in my work or to be a better person? It's not just all about the work, your skills, right. but who you are as an individual. Um, I also find myself asking, right, especially when I've experienced certain events, experiences at work, have I conducted myself in a way where if I look back on this weeks, months, years from now, I can honestly, truthfully say to myself that I've grown from this experience, even if it was an unpleasant one. So to me, the idea of growth is reflecting and realizing that your experiences have made you a better version of yourself. I think when, you know, you might have heard of truism that 
you know, experience as a good teacher. I think that's only one part of the story. I don't think we learn from experiences, but I think we learn from reflecting on our experiences. Right. And, and, and often accompanying this, right? When you do this, when you do this, right? There's the external validation and rewards as well. We don't want to work for a leader who is not self-aware of who they are, right? Um, there is finally, I just maybe just summarize here, just thought or, or quote that just come to mind. I think there's truth in the quote that life, success, all the races that you're running, that, that race is long, but in the end, it is a race that you have only with yourself. At the start of the show, you um, define um, your, you know, what success means to you. Um, and, and that has been like a true line of our entire conversation. Mm. Where you are today, Dr. Eugene, and how you view the word success, do you think you have attained your definition of success yet? <laughs> um, maybe ask me again in a couple of years, right. Dr. Ranel. But you know, but you know, um, some part of me feels that I don't, I, I, I don't want to attain right. that definition. Of, I don't want to reach that definition of success, right? So I, I know we talked about the harmony of the internal and yes. external self, your inner and your outer worlds. Uh, so I, I am comfortable enough with that definition of success, but you know, I, I hope I never attain it. I, I, I wish instead that there is this metaphorical mountain Okay. Um, which I'll always be climbing, right? It's always something for me to pursue, to learn, to grow, to strive for, so that I can be a better version of myself in the service of others, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't want to reach the top. I mean, people think about success as climbing a, a ladder or a mountain in this case, right? I, I don't want to reach the top. I think I'll end here by saying that, and even when people tell me that I have reached that top, that's really when I know I'll need to find another mountain to climb. Well, Dr. Eugene, you've certainly given us a lot to ponder upon, a lot to think about. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Darshan. Always a pleasure. That was Dr. Eugene T. He's an Associate Professor in Psychology at Help University. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Darshan Johan and this has been Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.